Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Sutton service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit ChristchurchLondon.org. Good morning. Yes, lean in, guys. Lean in. Well, good morning. Good morning, everyone. How is everyone this morning? Yes, that's what I like. A bit of, bit of feedback. Great. Um, I feel like it's been a hot minute, actually. We were away for a, a Sunday, and then we had a working Sunday. So I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, like two weeks being away from church is a lot. And obviously, you're wonderful people. So I've missed you. It's nice to be back. Um, there was there was a moment where I thought there was not going to be a preach. I'm not going to lie. Like, this was hard work. <laughs> I think probably because God was needing to work on me. Um, but anyway, I'm here, and hopefully this will be a good word. Um, so, yeah. For those who don't know me, my name is Helen Marasha, <clears throat> and I'm a big fan of coffee and luxury chocolate. Just putting everything in a food context for you, because, you know, this is the kind of context I understand. Um, I'm married to the lovely Shininga Marasha, who likes ginger ale. Big fan of ginger ale. We have two daughters, Layla, who is nine and loves Indomie. Do you, do you know what that is? Everyone knows? <laughs> yeah. It's like noodles. Yeah. Uh, special noodles. Um, and Tammy, who basically loves everything. So, yeah. That's, that's us. We live locally here in Carsholton, and right now this Sutton service is our home. Um, and for those visiting with us or have newly joined, I hope this feels like home for you too. Um, before we pray, I just want to shout out to my wonderful husband, because really I, this, I wouldn't be here without, with this sermon if it weren't for him. <laughs> um, so I'm very grateful that he helped me. And shout out to Andy for letting me preach. Hopefully he doesn't regret it. <laughs> Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we just thank you for your presence with us here this morning. Lord, we welcome you into this place. And Holy Spirit, we we invite you to move in amongst us, to speak to us, to go deeper with us this morning, Father. We ask um, for wisdom. We ask for knowledge of you. We ask to learn. We, We want to learn of you this morning, Father. I pray that we will have hearts to um we have ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. I pray that this word will fall upon good ground and that it will produce fruit, some 20, some 30, some 60-fold return, Father God. I thank you that this word will not fall by the wayside. It will not return to you void, but it will, it will go forth and it will accomplish that will you please and it will prosper in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, So at the heart of kind of who we are as a church is our desire to grow as followers of Jesus. Uh, We believe we get the privilege of doing this both personally and communally. And we aren't meant to live this life alone. I encourage you to join a community if you haven't already. Our communities, as John mentioned, we meet once a week, either in someone's home or on Zoom. Ours is obviously the best. (laughs) 
actually are the best, best community. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's a great way to connect and grow together. So please do ask the welcome team or the lovely Andy and Joy or anyone that you've seen um, if you'd like to find out more. Um, we're in a brilliant series at the moment called Life to the Full, which is based on John 10.10. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. One of my favorite scriptures. And it's all about being formed in the presence, by the presence of Jesus in our lives. Or to put it another way, discipleship. How many of you want more of the presence of Jesus in your life? Because I sure do. Um, we describe this series as the daily journey. So yes, it's daily. We're not just Christians on a Sunday. This is something we do every day. And there are rhythms and practices that we can and should incorporate into our daily lives. And a recognition that this, this walk is a journey. It's, it's a pilgrimage through the various seasons, both real and metaphorical. Two, being loved by him. The personal, yes, this is personal walk of receiving and being formed by his love and the communal celebration of being his family, which is what we are. Learning from him, choosing. It's a choice that we can choose. It's not by force to be formed by the teachings, ways and presence of God and not fitting into the culture around us without even thinking about it. And of course, living like him, living on sacrificial mission, empowered by and bearing the fruit and gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we've called it love, learn, live. And we're doing this together. So today we're going to be looking at humility. Now, humility is not something we talk about enough in the body of Christ. It's a bit of an unsung hero, but I believe that it's absolutely key um, to living out this Christian walk. In fact, I would go so far as to say we can't, do, we can't do it without humility. We need it in order to learn from him and to live like him. So what's so great about humility? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's look at what the Bible promises to the humble. Um, and I hope you brought your notebooks because um, you know what I'm like. I like to like go through quite a lot of scriptures. We're going through a lot of scriptures. You can look them up later in your spare time. Oh, yes, I like this. I hear the rustling. Yeah, grab your whatever it is. Grab something, jot down. And then when you're at home, you can revisit in your study or in your communities. Favor. James chapter 4 verse 6 said, God says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. We could all do with some favor these days. <laughs> um, it's also echoed in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Honor and exaltation. In Luke uh, chapter 14, Jesus talks about if you're at a banquet, when you're at a wedding banquet, don't go and sit on the VIP table and then get told, actually, We've got actual VIPs. You're not one of them. You need to go and sit somewhere else. Awkward. Don't be that person. The Bible says, come and sit at the low table. And then they'll be like, hey, what's a VIP like you doing in the low table? You should come up to the VIP table. Let me honor and exalt you. That's humility. Riches, honor, and long life. Yes, please. Proverbs 22 verse 4 says, true humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and long life. Guidance and teaching from God himself. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He guides the who? 
the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Strong family and community relationships. I don't know if you guys, um, John's already mentioned Lars's message. I, I wasn't here for it, but I heard it online. And we, we talked about it in our, in our community group as well. Um, and I just, it really just blew me away what he was talking about as we grow in community. And one of the things he says that we are an I looking for a we. I was a Christian as um, in my childhood. I grew up as a Christian, but we didn't grow up in a Christian community. And that was something I really lacked as a young Christian, having people around me. And it's so important that we have these communities. But so many of us get hurt by these communities. And actually what we need to make our communities and our relationships work is humility. Colossians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people... Any of God's chosen people? Yes. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And Ephesians 4, 2 goes on to say, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Peace. That's another one. We have been called to be peacemakers, and we can't be peacemakers without humility. I told you we're going to cover a lot of verses. I've got, and I've got more. I've got more. <laughs> um, lastly, it was what Jesus was like. Jesus was humble. Philippians chapter 2, and this is our main text from verses 1 to 11. I've got it up there, yeah. Therefore... If any of you have any encouragement from being united in Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. There's a lot in there, I know, but we're going to break some of it down um, as, our, as, as it is our main text for today. So what is humility and how do we practice it? What does it look like? This is, a, this is a phrase we like to use a lot these days, isn't it? What does it look like? When we look at a characteristic from the Bible, uh, sometimes I find it helpful to, to define or to look at what it's not. And then that helps us see what it actually is. So humility is obviously not selfish. If you're thinking of what you can get out of a situation or what you can get out of a conversation or what you can get out of a relationship, a work deal, insert whatever you like here. It's about you, and that's not humility. It's not vain conceit. 
This means making yourself look a lot better than you are. Basically, you know when you say you speak five languages on your CV, but you only speak one? Actually, I think that's just lying. That's just lying. <laughs> when you're telling everyone about like your amazing achievements, oh, you know, and did you know this? Yes, we all know. We all know about your CB, C, was it? Was the MBE, CBE, all yeah, we all know, we all know. You've told everyone. <laughs> Um, you know, when you're like, or if you're constantly worried about appearances, this is a sign of vain conceit. Like you're worried about your appearance, your home's appearance, your children's appearance. Um, I mean, let's talk about it, guys. Misleading photos on social media. Have we ever had any, done any of that? No, 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 no. Well, look at my fabulous holiday, my amazing family, my wonderful children, my gorgeous home. When in fact, like, that was the holiday you nearly got a divorce. And <laughs> even if there's no in fact, even if it was a fabulous holiday, we have to question ourselves, is this humility or is this vain conceit? Am I just putting this out so that people just think I'm amazing and wonderful? And So, yeah, um, it's not using your position or connections to your own advantage. I know this is hard to say, but sorry, guys, I'm going to go there. Social climbing, nepotism to get yourself promoted, using, peop using people for your personal gains. So using, you know, using people. This happens a lot in the world that we live in. Um, but Paul said, Jesus did not consider his equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Humility is not popular. This is what I've realized writing this. It's not popular. This is not what people peddle on, uh, you know, on social media. It's not what people peddle when you go places. And with, this is not what society has put as an aspiration for us. Um. Humility is not taking abuse or accepting situations where you may be being abused, coerced, or, manipula or manipulated. That's oppression. It's not debasing yourself to the point that you believe or are leading others to believe that you are no good at anything. That's false modesty. Well, it's kind of like sometimes it's lying. Dare I say... <laughs> It's a little bit of a British trait sometimes. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Um, I play squash and um, I've played with people. I'm, I'm an average to good squash player. But I've played with people who have also told me they're an average to good squash player. <laughs> and then when we start playing, I realise they're not an average to good squash. They're a good to very, very good squash player. And they're like, oh, you'll actually, yeah, I used to represent my uni. And, you know, I played for, um, you know, I played for my county. I nearly made it to the GB team. I'm like, what? You said that you were the same. And now I feel like I've been hustled. <laughs> um, yeah, it, sometimes it, it can be. I don't know if that's happened to you. It's definitely happened to me. Anyway, it's not self-disqualifying. Humility is not talking yourself out of an opportunity or a blessing because you don't think you're good enough. It's not, if I do what God tells me to do, then I'll get what I want. The goal is not to live a good life, hoping that by what we do, God will favor us. That only produces pride. As we do more and more good things, we think that somehow God owes us that he's indebted to us. This is entitlement. In fact, the rewards for humility are rarely seen straight away. 
Sometimes they may not even be seen in your lifetime by people. But God sees it all. And he promises in Luke 14 that all who exalt themselves will be humbled by God and all who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, I don't know about you, but I would rather humble myself and have God exalt me (laughs) than uh, exalt myself and have God humble me. Some of you will catch that on the way home. It's cool. It's Luke, Luke 14. Humility is not weakness. In fact, humility is power. And that brings me to the title of my message this morning. Humility, the posture of power. Humility is power. It is confidence. It is righteousness and holiness. Paul tells us in the passage to value others above yourself. This is what humility is. To put others' interests ahead of your own. This could be people here at church, the person sitting next to you. Do you value them more than yourself? This could be your work colleagues. They might be lovely or they might be trying to sabotage you. I don't know. They might be rubbish at their job, yet they seem to get promoted. They might talk about you behind your back, make your life difficult. Can you value them above yourself? Can you put their interests above your own? Your family members who have hurt you, who don't understand you, who don't support you, who irritate you or even abuse you, do you value them above yourself? Because in valuing them above yourself, you'll begin to see them as God sees them, valuable. I know this is hard to hear for some of us, but no matter what they've done to you, they are still God's creation and he loves them too. But doesn't God love me? Surely he doesn't value them more than me. And he knows what they've done to me. Why doesn't he do something about it? Well, he will when you humble yourself. When I was thinking of examples of people who are humble, the first person who came to mind was Nelson Mandela. He almost embodied humility, in my opinion. After his death in 2013, a reporter called Pippa Green recalled this story about him that I'd like to share with you. He was breathtaking in his combination of charisma and old-fashioned courtesy. Often this was part of deliberate strategy. He had told me in an interview a few months before that on his first day in office in 1994 that he had found no staff there. He phoned an aide and asked him to gather the staff the next day. There is a U-shaped cabinet room in the union buildings in Pretoria, the seat of the executive. It was there that the staff filed in. The black staff sitting in the inner circle and the white staff occupying the outer one. I came in without greeting them, Mandela recalled. I could see their insecurity and at times hostility. Just for effect, I stood and looked at them. Then the new president approached a white woman in the outer circle and said, do you mind if I shake your hand? He asked her name, whether she was married, if she had children, never letting go of her hand. It took me more than an hour to greet them all. When he was done, he asked, are you aware that a new government has taken over? I wrote at the time that if this was a revolution, it was the most courteous in history. 
It took just a few months before he commanded complete loyalty from his staff. He would send messages to his bodyguards at functions asking whether they had eaten. He invited staffers to the official state banquet he held for President Clinton as VIP guests. Mandela was president for only five years, one term, but in that time he turned heads and hearts and minds, not only of, black, of, of white and black South Africans, but of the whole world. As C.S. Lewis puts it, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. When we talk about humility, we're really just talking about growing up, being polite, being courteous, thinking of others. Parents in here will know that children are incredibly self-centered. It's true, isn't it? It's like, yes. It's like one of their defining characteristics. <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they're, they're children. This is how they behave. They believe the whole world revolves around them. But at some point, we expect them to grow out of that and to understand that the whole world doesn't revolve around them. Have we grown out of being self-centered? Are we maturing in the things of God. Humility is literally saying, Lord, you are not just Lord. You are Lord of my life. My life does not belong to me. It belongs to you. And it begins with our relationship with God. It begins with our understanding that he is holy, righteous and perfect. And we are not, at least not without his blood. Pride is trying to remove God from his throne so that we can sit on it. We want the world to revolve around our life, or maybe we expect that it should. But humility rightly assesses ourselves in the light that God is holy. He is the one on the throne. Who is on the throne in your life? Here are five clues that point to humility in your life. One you're constantly growing in your trust in God for everything in your life. Two, your desire for God to get the credit for everything you accomplish is growing. Three, you are quick to repent when you fall short of the mark. Four, you think highly of God. And five, you are quick to forgive when you are offended. And I just want to pick up on this last point because we can't talk about humility without talking about forgiveness. Because when we harbour unforgiveness, we are actually valuing ourselves above others and we're putting our interests above theirs. They hurt my feelings, they did this to me and I'm not here to take away what they did but I will challenge you to ask yourself, are you putting your interests above theirs. Because if you are, then that is pride. So in order to get back to a place of humility, a place of favour, honour, riches, guidance, strength and peace, we need to forgive. Strong families, strong communities, strong churches and nations are built on forgiveness. We can't have peace without forgiveness and we certainly can't be peacemakers unless we are forgivers people are going to hurt you they are imperfect 
and you are going to hurt other people, you are imperfect. But as Alexander Pope said, to err is human, to forgive is divine. Now I know that there are people in here today who have been hurt terribly and you've had relationships at best strained and at worst completely ruined. You've been hurt by your family or maybe by your previous church community or maybe you've been hurt by this church community. Maybe you've been hurt by your national community, people in authority who have abused their power and caused tensions and divisions to arise within your nation. No matter how big or small the offence, God is calling us today to forgive, to let go, to release these people to him. And we start by simply saying, God, I forgive them. And here's what happens. What, 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 what we do when we forgive is that we release these people not to be judged by ourselves, but by God. You see, when we harbour unforgiveness, we're holding judgment. And when we hold judgment, we are not being like God. God said, judge not, lest you be judged. And we are saying, God, when am I going to get justice? When am I going to get my pound of flesh? Well, God said, vengeance is mine. And when we release people into God's hands, it's like we've stepped away from being their judge. And we are allowing God to be their judge. But God may not do what you want him to do. This is where our faith and our trust come in and why we also pray for mercy for people because we say, God, don't reward them according to their sins, but have mercy upon them. And that happens when we humble ourselves. God wants to build a strong community here in Sutton, made up of strong relationships, of strong marriages of strong single people and family relationships, of strong siblings, aunties, uncles, cousins, neighbours, friends, all of these relationships. The closer the relationship, the more likely you are to get hurt. So it's vital that we learn how to humble ourselves and put others above ourselves. It's imperative that we learn to forgive and forgive quickly. The Bible says they shall know they are Christians by their love. It is what we must be known for. Can I invite the, the, band, the band up? So I know that here today God is working on people's hearts. That you have people in your life that you need to forgive. And you know this because for one, you're always talking about them and about what they did. Or you're always thinking about them and what they did. And two, there's a hardness within you and a, and a difficulty drawing close to God when you think about that person or when you're around that person. In other words, they have a hold on you. They're living rent-free in your head. You need to release that person or those people. There is an invitation today from God to release that, those people or that person into his hands. Let him take it on. Let him be the judge. Let him be the healer. Because he will not only heal you, but he will heal them. And that's how we're going to have peace. 
That's how reconciliation happens. And we've been called to the ministry of reconciliation. This is what Jesus did when he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. He started the great ministry of reconciliation, reconciling us back to where Adam was, back to the garden. And today it continues and it can continue with you. So we talked about this being a choice. This is something you can choose. You can choose today to release and let go once and for all and let God stand in that gap between you and that person. Let God stand in that gap. So as the band plays, I invite you to search your heart. And if someone hasn't come to mind yet, then just maybe ask God in this song, is there someone I need to forgive? And see who comes to mind. And afterwards we can pray together.